my dad was suffering so much already. He wanted to go, you know? He was funny though. He used to make jokes about it because I kept asking about like how much time or what they give you or whatever. And he's like, well, my doctor told me not to buy any green bananas. or <laughs> <laughs> Is that a rule of thumb? You know, they're not going to be ripe in time, you know? <laughs> that one went over my head. What's up, y'all? Today I have on the show Vinny Fastline, who's a very talented stand-up comic. You've seen him touring with comedians like Dane Cook, Nick Swartzen, Michael Rappaport, and many more. This was just a down-to-earth conversation between two dudes who are in the dead dad club. Vinny lost his father not long ago, and honestly, you could hear it in his voice when we start talking about it, and it was really fascinating to hear how the loss of his father influenced his comedy career, how he keeps going, and a little bit about his grief story. I commend him for opening up. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know that I did. Please leave a five-star review on Spotify or Apple or wherever you're listening. Hit pause, do it now, or do it at the end, whenever you can. I'd really appreciate it. Last piece of information before I shut up. I did just launch a Patreon for five bucks a month. You can try it for seven days free. Support the show, help me out, and also get some bonus content. Get access to episodes a little bit earlier, and I'll improve as time goes on. Thank you so much. And as usual, I'll stop talking. Hope you enjoy the show. All right, me. Thank you again for being here. We got a got a different conversation, maybe than what you normally talk about. Yeah, dude. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know your podcast covers comedy and some real shit as well, so it's it's not too far off the cuff. Yeah. But I don't know how often you talk this about. This is dad. the only thing I usually talk about is my dead dad. Every uh, every podcast. Yeah, yeah. What if I just went on everyone's podcast? It's just a comedy podcast. I go, hold on, real sec. Let me talk about my dead dad. <laughs> it's my thing. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to judge you, man. But this is what we're here for today. <laughs> yeah. So, who? Tell me about. Tell me about your dad in regards to what happened and where it starts. Besides, like you don't have to go like I was born, but yeah. Well, like my dad's death, or just in general about my dad. Sorry, I mean either, whatever you're comfortable with, but I want to learn about what happened with your dad and then we'll go from there. Yeah. Um, well, my dad was sick for a long time. He had this disease called SPS and basically nobody knew about it, but Celine Dion right now currently has SPS and now it's kind of getting some, you know, some eyes to it. One in a million people have SPS. It's a stiff person syndrome. It's like a neurological disease where your muscles contract and you're in severe pain and eventually it could like literally break your bones and distort your body. But nobody, my dad was a doctor and uh, he couldn't figure out what was wrong with them for a long time. So he kept going to different doctors, couldn't figure out what was going on. Then they finally diagnosed him with that after years. And then, you know, he was dealing with that and then he got lung cancer. And then uh, it was hard to deal with both. So he let the, you know, the lung cancer is what took him out. But yeah, so it was a long process of him being ill and then lung cancer come on and it got, it came on and it got, it was a, you know, a, it was a quick, uh, once he got, it, it was quick how it took him out, you know, it was within, I don't know, maybe six months, but, uh, there's no correlation within the two. That's just, it's one after the other. Um, they don't know. Uh, they don't know. Actually, I thought that they, I thought that they said that there was some correlation. Um, but I'm not sure. I mean, he did, you know, he did smoke for years. So, you know, he could have got the lung cancer just from, you know, the smoking or whatever, and they could be totally separate. But yeah, when he got the SPS. But there was another weird thing that happened because he had, uh, he was using a CPAP machine. CPAP, like, to help you sleep. Okay, I got it, okay. For sleep apnea. And he was, the SPS, you don't necessarily... You, you don't have to die from it. Like it's just a painful thing that you have to deal with. Um, and when he got lung cancer, even though he smoked, when he got SPS, he stopped really smoking as much. And uh, he was on the sleep apnea machine. And that sleep apnea machine actually had a huge lawsuit because a lot of people got lung cancer from it. No shit. So we almost consider like going after him because, you know, you know even though my dad dad was struggling with the SPS, he might have, you know, still been around. So yeah, I talked to a lawyer just to talk about it. And I don't know, I, we never really pursued it, but could have been the sleep apnea machine that got him like lung cancer faster, you know? And th that's a weird place to be in after you lose someone knowing the cause might have been something like that. 
Yeah. How long after when he passed did you learn that information? Was it during it? Or? Well, anybody that had that sleep apnea machine, since there was a class action lawsuit, got a letter in the mail. So there was a letter in the mail that says you can pursue a legal action because he got lung cancer, like a lot of people did from that machine. And you either go after them uh, with a lawyer and you really try to, you know, might spend a lot of money and time trying to make it a case on individually, or you can be a part of the class action lawsuit or you report the information and then uh, you can get some money back for, you know, like everybody in this huge pool of class action lawsuit. But it was just, yeah, I was like, not something I felt like dealing with. Yeah. I mean, what is that? What does that do in regards to your process of dealing with it, knowing that something else like that may have caused it? Yeah, I, obviously it was, uh, yeah, it was fresh. It was, I was angry. Um, but you know, my dad was suffering so much already. He like, he wanted to go, you know, he was in a weird place. He was very, uh, lonely and was in a lot of pain. So he didn't really want to, you know, he didn't care. I think, you know, he used to, he was funny that he used to make jokes about it because I kept asking about like how much time or what they give you or whatever. And he's like, well, my doctor told me not to buy any, uh, buy any green bananas. or what? <laughs> <laughs> Is that a rule of thumb? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, like, yeah, don't buy any green bananas. Like, you know, they're not going to be ripe in time, you know? <laughs> that one went over my head. I was like, what the, what health effects from green bananas am I missing? He right. said, don't buy any green bananas. Like how much time does he have? Don't buy any green bananas. Damn. You might not have the time, but he was fucking, I mean, dad, my dad was funny, man. I mean, he really was. Mm. He was a ball buster. There's a million jokes I'm about sure. it. Like we've, even when he was dying, we had, we just, he was so funny. We just were back and forth with stuff. Wait, so was there a point where you, he was told he was going to die and or he accepted it? Was there like a moment like, oh, he's not, he's yeah. not coming back from this? Yeah. How long before he died was that moment, give or take? Mm. Was it like right before? We had months, you know, the cancer spread and all that stuff. Uh, the reason I asked that. And then that, he was in hospice and then you, it was they give you, then they give you like five days or, I mean, I was there, I flew out there and it's like when they declined and he was in hospice and yeah, he, he, uh, yeah, just... I think it was a week in hospice, maybe five days, where we just watched him die. It was really tough. But how long ago was this? Mm, how long has it been now? It's been a year and so many couple months. It's, how, how do you feel today? Like, is there? Are you put any thought, or have you thought about you know how you were that first year or the first moments after you learned to where you are now? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure like everybody else, you know, comes and goes. Uh, think about him every day. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, think about him every day, but yeah, it comes and goes. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, you know, can be tough and then just go about your life. But yeah, I, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's crazy, I guess. I mean, you still um, feel, you're still really feeling it today. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah. I feel of it course. all the time. Uh, I, I do. <clears throat> here's a fun, I, I mean, we have millions of stories, but we'll get to the jokes too, but <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I go on a hike, I go on a hike on Runyon Canyon and there's like this rock that's pretty much towards the top of the mountain. And I, I don't know if it was a few months after he passed away. I go to this rock, I sit down and this is where I like, I'll talk to him, you know, maybe I'll pray or I'll, I'll, you know, I'll talk to him. And as I was talking to him and I talk like in my head, like I don't speak out loud uh, you know, whatever, but there was nobody walking by me. I'm just sitting on this rock and, uh, and I had my earphones in for, you know, like my phone, nothing, the uh, music was playing, uh, like some, like maybe like relaxing music just to like talk. But as I'm sitting there, the music shuts off and then Siri turns on and says, you're the wind beneath my wings. And then turns back my music, turns my music back on. What? Bette Midler just popped in? It was the weirdest thing, dude. I Nobody was around me. I wasn't talking. I'm literally just like, I was just like, you know, maybe talking in my head with my eyes closed, almost like I'm meditating. And yeah, it shut the music off and it said, you're the wind beneath my wings and turn back on. And it's 
fucking crazy. I mean, it's that's it, amazing. There's nothing to explain it. Every time I go to that rock, I'm like the happiest and saddest ever. But I'll go to that rock, and uh, wind picks up. You know, I have hawks will fly over my head. There's just like strange things that'll happen, but that's like my place that I'll talk to my dad. I'll get up there. I go there every time. I sit down and I'll talk. I'll talk to him there. But it was <clears throat> it was very weird. Also, when he passed away, within hours of him passing. My sister has a baby monitor in her, uh, you know, in her kid's room. Mm-hmm. The baby monitor, nobody was around, but the baby monitor had caught, uh, like, almost orbs. Okay. So you saw, like, it, and it'll, it, it notifies her if there's movement in the room for the baby. Baby, I don't even know if the baby was in there. I think the, the baby was sleeping mm-hmm. and uh, wasn't moving. But the, the baby monitor went off. And it shows clips. It'll capture moments, and you see like this white orb come and then like stand next to the. Oh man, that's giving me chills. It was crazy. So how how much does that help you? These experiences. Mm, Yeah, I think uh, you can go either way. You know, it's like you said, you're so happy and sad on the rock. You know what I mean? It's probably super helpful. Like I do believe he's, you know, he's in a better place. I mean, he's not suffering and. Uh, you know, whether you believe in God, which I do, but you know, whether you believe in God or don't, uh, uh, you know, energy doesn't die. So our souls will never die. It's got to go somewhere. It's, it's, it's physics. Like they can't disprove that. Like it's impossible to destroy energy. So wherever, you know, wherever it goes. Yeah. It's just that question like that. Does the energy have that conscious ability to do things. You know what I mean? I believe in that. I, so I, I Relating to you, and I feel like I haven't had an experience like that, and I feel like I crave that. I, I crave those experiences even after 20-plus years of losing my dad. I took a walk the other day, and I was I was doing what you were doing. I was Only I think I was like a lunatic on Overland in Venice talking to myself out loud, but I was trying to have a conversation with my dad. It was his birthday yesterday, so it was a little more nostalgic. Mm, that's but I was, tough. You know, I was having that conversation. I do... I, 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 crave that response you know what i mean so like i'm just getting these voices or signs or whatnot but i, I feel like i force that sometimes too much mm-hmm. it, it must it's nice to hear you have stories like that in order to again maybe it's a, a, a back and forth of sadness and happiness but to have that feeling of he's still around is comforting especially you said yeah. he was suffering you know what i mean to yeah. know that that's over i feel like that's a weird relief from grief if that makes sense because okay he's gone it sucks but to know he's not suffering i feel like it goes a long way yeah no you know <clears throat> you don't want to see anybody suffer but it does help that you know felt like he's still around so you, so your dad's birthday was yesterday mm, february 11th so whenever this drops this is the 12th yeah february are those 11th. days hard for you it's just it's evolved again you're you said you're a year and a half in yeah so I'm 2001 when he died, so it's been quite some time. So it, I feel like I've said this before, but there's there's anniversaries, there's dates that that hits. I think in so many capacities outside of loss, but especially with loss, the first, the first Christmas, the first birthday. Oh yeah, it just hits different, and it's different for everyone, of course. But 20 plus years later, it's um, it's more reflection. Like I made a post yesterday, but it was I was missing out. I was like kind of grieving the future again of him not being here and beyond all these new memories, et cetera. You don't get those new memories, which sucks. All you have is to look back. And I was really wanting some father-son talk and just chop it up about what's going on in my life selfishly and like, what would he tell me? You know, I was thinking about that and I had this moment of thinking, you know, my, even that conversation, quote unquote, I'm having with him, I feel like I'm still learning from him. Granted, it came from 9-11, so I feel like I've always learned from that experience. But in my head, I just felt like, I'm still learning. I still get lessons from him. It's not that physical one-on-one having a beer together, but I still, I'm still learning from him. As weird as that sounds, and maybe I'm forcing the issue just to have some kind of explanation for it. But I still feel like I've learned so much from that experience. Maybe it wasn't him sitting across from me telling me what to do, but I, even though I was craving lessons from my father, I feel like I'm still getting them. And it's not exactly like you said, but I feel like even though he's not here, like yesterday and today, even today, I, I felt him. Yeah. I didn't have an experience, but something felt different. Wow. Something felt different. Who knows? That's just my emotions playing with me, maybe. But I don't know. Something something has felt different specifically today. Man, I mean, obviously you've talked about your situation a million times, I'm sure. But, you know, I don't know too much about it. But uh, you found out, like, you know, obviously you found out when the trade centers were hit. Mm -hmm. But 
it was like immediate. You didn't, did you hear from him or? No, we, we didn't get any of that, any phone calls or anything. He, he was on the 105th floor, so it was above where the plane hit. Not sure what side of the building he was on, but we didn't, no, we, it was just kind of assumption for a few days. You know, it was like mm. likelihood was unlikely. And after some time goes by, we're just, you know, it's like he's not coming back. Slash, we got some confirmation, some gruesome confirmation many times, oh, however long later when they found some shit. Um, but yeah, it was kind of a weird time, especially for my mom, my sisters, because they were really old enough to contemplate it. And I was 12, mm-hmm. like an idiot. And uh, yeah, I was just waiting and not knowing. And, and that's the interesting part about, okay, so like you lost your dad, I lost mine. Mine was uh, out of nowhere. And then you lost your dad with some preparation, court, not much. Mm-hmm. It's just so, it's such a unique difference in experience and not, I'm not, neither a better or worse than the other. It's just a totally different experience of that I can't relate to is having that preparation for death. So it's like you have anticipatory grief knowing he's going to pass. And I just wonder what that process was. So either when you figured it out or when you found out that your dad was not going to survive, what is that process for you? Do you remember that that timeline of trying to handle it or having conversations with it? Oh, yeah. I mean, it came and went. It was just always like, when's he going to pass or, or, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess it would probably be, it's not easier to, to know that they're, they're going, but no, I but I don't know. I don't know if I would, you know, I don't know if I would prefer the other way because that's, you know, at least I got to say some stuff to my dad. We had conversations and stuff. Um, yeah, not even which like, again, I'm not even preferring it, but that like once you found out, whether you remember the moment or not, it's, it's okay. Just what was going through your mind? Like what, what was that? What were the conversations or what did you do to get through that? Was there anything? When I found out he died or when I found out he Like was... when you, no, he, no, he knew he wasn't going to survive. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's almost like for a little while you're in uh, denial. Like when you found out he was sick with lung cancer, we didn't know how long. Also when you get cancer, sometimes people live for a while, but I think it was real when he was in hospice, like they're like major decline. You got to fly out here. He was in Ohio. So I flew out there and he was in bed and he just watched for, I mean, for five days, it was just like misery of watching him suffer. And it got to a point where like, you know, dad, we just like, just kick <laughs> Let's take, oh, get out of here. <laughs> Is that pillow memory no. phone? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. no that's mean, real though. I get what you're no, saying, man. Because it was, it was like watching him suffer was tough. And then, you know, also, uh, I mean, he, yeah, you don't want him suffering like that. Yeah. That's why to me, that makes it hard. That, that experience, to see that, Again, I can't relate, but to me, that's, I don't, I would never want to bring up the hierarchy of these experiences, but I was like that, that's, so it's worse to me. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's also, the, it's not necessarily worse, but it, the, 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 uh, the anxiousness of like, when is it happening? When is that? It's almost like if a stand up comedian, you know, you know this, when you do comedy, before you get on stage, you might feel a little anxious. The moment you grab the microphone, you're like, all right, I got this, mm. you know, but you're just like, you're just anxious. You're like waiting to get up and wait. But the longer you have to wait, that's like fucking, oh man. It's like, I just get, I just want to get up there. Just get me up there. And you know, it, so analogy. it was almost one of those things where for five days, I'm just like anxiously waiting and waiting. When's it going to happen? When's it going to, uh, is this the moment? Is this the moment? No, it's not it. Is this the moment? Is it was psychologically like fucking with you, you know, for five days. But, uh, we had great moments. I, you know, I talk about it on stage. We, we, we had so many jokes. Uh, he was a doctor that helped this other doctor start, um, nursing homes and, ho- and hospice, uh, facilities when he was young. Mm-hmm. This, there's this doctor, Ed Reese. So my dad helped him get that going. So when it came down to his, you know, hospice bills or whatever, like this guy like really helped out, wow. took care of a lot because my dad like took, you know, helped him out. So, and, uh, yeah, and we didn't have money. Like, you know, he, he was, it's a long story, but he was a doctor and sold his practice and, uh, he invested in a business, but he was bankrupt and like bankrupt for years. So we had, we grew up with a lot of money and then lost it all. Um, but yeah, so it was really great. It was really nice for Ed Reese to do that, to That's help incredible. out. But it was funny because... <laughs> 
<laughs> when he was um, laying in a hospice bed, like Ed came to see him. And then he goes, he's telling us like for the little words that he had, like, get my wallet, get my wallet, you know, get my wallet. We're like, what? He's like, get my wallet. So we go get the wallet. <laughs> and then uh, we give him the wallet. And, and and Ed's like, no, 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 Ronnie, I don't want your money. Like, I don't want your money. And and my dad goes, no, I want my money back. <laughs> <laughs> like on his deathbed, he was fucking with people. That was his thing. That's like, incredible. He was always funny. Even when I got there, <laughs> he's like, as soon as I got there, which I flew in from LA to Ohio, you know, and he would, this is the first few days he was still able to maybe talk a little bit, but he said, uh, he said, uh, get the, where's the emergency nurse button? And we're like, what's wrong? What's wrong? Get the emergency nurse button. And like, what's wrong, dad? And he goes, we got to get Vince the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's just like that's gotta help no? dude he was so funny I mean yeah and then I fucked with him too a little bit you know cause I it, cause even when uh, we, we my sister I, these are all stuff bits that I started making but these are the heavier ones so I try to get tell these jokes on stage after he passed after he passed I had to headline a show in Ontario Improv like three weeks later okay. and I wasn't ready for it and I had to do an hour and I haven't even been doing comedy I've been there I've been gone but I don't get to headline often so I was like fuck what do I do you know but then I was just my dad would just want me to do it you know he wanted me to stop he's like just just keep going oh, yeah. so I did it and I started doing some of the jokes they're a little too heavy it was too much now it's a little bit easier I found ways around doing it heavy differently for you not the audience uh both both I okay. mean you know if you talk about any heavy subject, it's also about like how you say it or what you say or whatever. But anyways, these were some of the early ones because, but these were also heavier moments because when he was in his uh, deathbed, my sister was playing music for him, kind of like soothe the, soothe the situation. And, um, she had Pandora, but it plays commercials. Yeah. So I'm like, dad, if you die in a commercial break, I swear to God, I'm like, come on, dad, don't die to AutoZone. <laughs> Come on, temptations are coming up. <laughs> I don't want him going auto zonk. <laughs> That'd be the greatest product placement of all time. Oh man. Oh, so we were oh, joking man. around. <laughs> yeah. I even made that joke to my sisters because my dad would just I mean, because my sisters, I, I've always used humor as a defense mechanism. The first moment I found out my dad has SPS, I didn't even know how serious it was. I thought, oh, my dad's gonna die. I don't know when, but it, when I he told me about it, he's just like, I don't know. It, Anyways, I broke down in tears, like I fucking broke down. And this was years ago, not knowing the severity. And then my buddy was there and he didn't know what happened. So I'm just busted out crying. He's like, what's going on? What's happening? And after I got rid of that full cry, like all I said to him, I was like, I ran out of bacon. <laughs> <laughs> but like the fact that I fucking broke down completely. I mean, we were crying laughing because it's like nobody cries this hard, like, yeah, like bacon. over bacon. Maybe vegan. Eventually I told he knew like something was wrong and I told him, Yeah, it was my dad, he's sick. Um, but just the just the I just always used comedy as a defense mechanism. Your dad just he fell on he his did deathbed. Yeah. He did it. We did it. I mean, I'm 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 big on that personally. Like I bring a lot of Humor, not in a professional sense, obviously, but to my, it's a big coping mechanism for me, whether it's a defense mechanism or a coping. I mean, I don't know what's better than laughter. Nothing. So I, I literally think laughter is the greatest thing in the world. It is the best. And that's why I respect what you do so much. And I'm curious in regards to your, now it's been a year and a half and, you know, you started, you have been incorporating your experience with, you know, you on stage, a stand-up. Have you found what? Are you, what are you finding with your dad's loss to your stand up now? Is like is this part of your grief process? Is it healing for you? Or are you just do you feel the necessity just to incorporate it in your stand up? Like how does your loss of your father relate to your stand up career? Yeah, I mean, I talk about it uh, on stage. I, I've always challenged myself in comedy to really try things. Early in my career, I've tried weird things like. Um, first of all, I had a brain tumor when I was young, not to make this about me, but when I, mean, I first, about you. Well, yeah, but we'll, we'll make this about my dead dad, but <laughs> we, can, we can do a tag. No, it's fine, whatever you want. No, no, no. But, but Damn. so I had a brain tumor. That's why I got into comedy. Couldn't play sports, did comedy, uh, as like a, you know, kind of like, not like a bucket list, but like a, a thing to do, um, while everyone played sports. So, and I talked about my brain tumor immediately on stage at 16. So 
I was always challenging myself to do different things. Years later, when I really started doing comedy, I tried like weird shit. Like I record the thoughts in my head and a microphone, and then I'd have p- people play it over the loudspeakers. You know, maybe it was like if if I was I'm doing a dating joke and we're on it, we're at the drink, you know, getting drinks, and she gets an appetizer and a meal, and I'm like, you hear over the thing, like, fuck, man, you had to get an appetizer, <laughs> like, but it came over the speakers. It didn't work. None of it was funny because the guy in the back, the timing was so off, <laughs> so it was so awkward. And it was my first weekend opening at a big comedy club for Sebastian Maniscalco. Oh wow, he was the huge. first guy I opened for. That's crazy. And I remember doing it, and I bombed so hard, and then he's just like. Fucking stop doing the thing. You know, he's like, just, you know, he's like, just do your comedy. Like, you know, and I was like, you're right, you're right. If I didn't have to do a full weekend, I might have never came back. I bombed so hard because the timing of it was off. And meanwhile, I was just trying things and I go, I'm not wrong. I mean, look at Bo Burnham. He fucking crushed with that. Everyone's got their thing. I was just doing stuff, talked about my brain tumor. I was trying different shit. And then uh, I, you know, went through a bad breakup, started, the, and that was heavy. And there's a whole thing there. Started going, dealing with, you know, talking about that. I like, I use comedy as not only an outlet to make people laugh, to make people feel. Mm. So I remember years ago when I used to open for Dane, I first arena and I was scared. I was like nervous a little bit. I was like, what should I, should I talk, talk about the tumor stuff? It's a little heavy. It's not that funny yet, but at least people like will reach out and go, thank you for sharing. And he's like, do you want to feel, do you want people to remember you as the funny guy before? Or do you want them to remember you as you? You know, because George Carlin would put you through a roller coaster of emotions. So, you know, it's, I like, it's almost like you get to be a little, you get to have some substance. You know, it depends. Everyone's humor is different, but I have this outlet to be on stage in front of strangers. I get to make them feel. So, I started talking about my dad um, right after it happened. It's a little too heavy. Now I have to find different ways to get into it. So I'll tell like a, a health joke that I do. I thought I had testicular cancer. And I don't, but I I had a whole experience where I felt something and I go to the doctors and he's like, you're just fucking grabbing your nuts too hard or whatever. (laughs) That's not the, that's not the bit, but just for the sake of a laugh right now, I had to say that. (laughs) I was wondering where you go. Are you feeling your nuts? It was a seven minute, it's a seven minute joke, but yeah, it's a, it's like, it was, I was feeling a sperm tube and I just have a long one and it's a true story, but I make that a joke. So now an easy way to get into my dad jokes rather than being like, lost my dad, it's tough, you know, it's harder. I, I, I've been getting into it going, telling this joke that's funny, that's a health joke. Ease into it. And ease into it and be like, um, yeah, doc, you know, fucking doctors are funny, man. And I go, my dad was a doctor, dad passed away a year ago. You, you know, it's obviously it's tough, but like, it's also tough. Like, you know, now I got to pay for health insurance or, you know, like <laughs> I just make jokes. Like it sucks because I used to go for to go to him for a lot of things. And now I have to go to these regular doctors and they're all fucking younger than me yeah, that's weird now. with less experience. And they're, and they swear and they're wearing like fucking backward. You're wearing a backwards hat. Dude. You wear a doctor? Re- yeah, like I went to where an. Where the hell eye- are you going for the doctor? I went to an eye doctor. This is where the bit started because I went to an eye doctor and he was young and he said "fucking bro." What? And he was dre- He wasn't dressed like for the bit. I make it funnier for him to have a backwards hat and shit like that. And I also just added a tag where I go. He was wearing scrubs, not medical scrubs, but a t-shirt from the show Scrubs. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> and, and you know, now I'm looking at Jack, Zach Braff's schnoz on a fucking <laughs> t-shirt. You know, like I mean, just silly stuff you can add to make a joke funny. Of course. But 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 I did go to this young doctor, this eye doctor, he's just like, bro, you're good, man. Fuck it, you know. And I'm like, it was so weird to me that I immediately go, Oh, okay. I mean, this is where I can make it a bit because I go you know, now I go to these young doctors and they're younger than me, and then I dial up a character where he's just like, I looked at your charts, bro. Fuck, you know, and I'm like, why, 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 why? He's like, I'm just fucking with you, dude. It's a fart, dude. Just fucking, you know, like whatever. You make the, but it's funny because that's a way to be like, you know, my dad was, my dad. I, I, I say my dad was a do. You know, he went to college for 14 years. He could do everything. You know, deliver a baby, do surgery, new medical charts, new everything. Taught anatomy eventually, and now I got to go to these doctors that only know. Oh. I, I'm a hand guy. I don't know shit about your feet. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. like, you know, and then they're all young. And so I started easing into that, that I do that part to, in order for me to keep going with it. And then I have other experiences. I'll say my dad always used to say the phrase, uh, 
I wish I was a fly on the wall because he lived in Ohio and he was sick and I was accomplishing these cool things in comedy. You know, maybe I was like, oh, I got to, you know, I got to meet Adam Sandler, do a show, you know, whatever. And then he go, man, I wish I could be a fly on the wall. And then I go, and then my dad passed and now I look at flies and I'm like, dad? Yeah. Is, is that you? And if it is, can you stop shitting on my mashed potatoes? <laughs> And then I keep going with it where I'm like, now I'm, you know, even yeah. if I'm having sex and I'm like, get out of here, you pervert. You know? <laughs> that's that's just, just, with all this, all this stuff. I feel like it's, you know, my podcast, I'm trying to normalize it, but you're doing it. You're kind of, you, you're doing that. I think that when you're talking about relating, you know, bring evoking emotion as well as being funny, it's you talking about that makes it relatable. I feel like that's such a ripple effect beyond comedy mm-hmm. you know what i mean maybe it's healing for you in many ways if you're coping with it that way but again if you're evoking emotion making it relatable to people it's like that is that's causing something different and it's i think that goes back to real life i think that's why i think humor is so important to trauma and going through some shit let alone death is because when you reveal that humor or that that ideation of kind of bringing levity to a situation it releases everyone else's tension around a serious mm. topic. That's why I think humor is so powerful to me when I joke. It like it op- it kind of brings down the walls to the people around you, let alone yourself. To say it's okay. Yeah. Even if it's not okay, like I feel like laughter and humor brings that to these situations. Oh, dude, I use it. I use it to help me. Like obviously, if you start at the beginning of this podcast and you watch, and I'm all clammed up because I'm talking about because I feel and I it you know it is sad and it's hard to talk about. But the moment I could start making jokes, I now it's lighter. Exactly. It's easier. I saw, I saw that in you, you too. Just, you watched it turn on. But I use it as a defense mechanism to For maybe sure. hide my feelings. Yeah, yeah. But but I love you know, I love making people laugh. And I think that's the best way to do it, man. That's my dad didn't want anybody sad. He would make jokes. Literally on his deathbed. Yeah. So, you know. Do you think he, do you think he accepted it? Or was he just was oh, that, yeah. yeah, he seems like he did. Oh, but. yeah, yeah. No, he wanted to go. Yeah. He was yeah, he was ready to go. Mm. Yeah, because you mentioned he wanted to go. I just wonder, you know, if it was a true acceptance or he couldn't take, you know, he can't take it. It's a, maybe a balancing act of both. But if he's cracking jokes like that, he seemed ready. Oh, no, he was ready. So did he, you feel a relief? Did I? Like when he did die, because you know, was like, like, that, mm. the anxiousness. Like, was there was a sense of it, you know. Um, <laughs> yes, here we go. go. <laughs> Let's just say, here we go. go. Let's go back to the jokes. <laughs> no. uh, yeah, I mean. I mean, my dad was a piece of shit. I'm glad he was. No, <laughs> and now he's a fly. Yeah, no, no, no. There was a sense of relief uh, uh, because I didn't want him to suffer. Yeah, but um, yeah, no. I mean, I I loved my dad. It was yeah. I was. Uh, it was tough, uh, but yeah, a sense of relief so he wasn't suffering. What works for you outside of comedy? Is there anything regard in regards to your? your process of going through it. Like I kind of asked, I did ask the question earlier in regards to how you were then to now, but let's reel that back into now. How, how are you today? How am I today? Well, I had, a, I had a little diarrhea this morning. I was literally <laughs> thinking besides the constipation, how are you feeling? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Always go to shit jokes, dude. It's perfect. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Every day is different. I used to call my dad's a lot on Mondays. I don't know why, but it's just, it, yeah, I did. Uh, because mm, weekends were busy, and then comes and goes. Uh, I'll watch, you know, you watch something that makes you sad, or moments, or I go to the rock. I go to the rock. I sit on that rock, and I start, you know, talking to him. Uh, Dwayne yeah. Johnson, Dwayne Johnson, the rock. Yeah, I ask him. I go, hey man, did you lose anybody? He goes. No. <laughs> no, no bench press. I'm not a bitch. <laughs> that's a that's a special dude for that's. I need a fucking rock. That's a that's a that rock. Amazing, that damn yeah. rock. Runyon. Who would have thought? That's weird. Yeah. I mean, I was like, Dad, you couldn't have picked a better hike. Yeah. I mean, the view <laughs> might be nice. <laughs> no, no, no. It was. It's really cool. It's a really special place. I I had another joke about it too because there was I was just like peacefully talking to him when I go to that rock and then like this gay couple like walked in front of me to take pictures and started talking about plowing each other or whatever the (laughs) fuck they were just talking about some seriously gay sex and I was just like is this you fuck with me dad like I'm like talking to him just like ah fuck yeah I'm like I'm not supposed to talk. Dude, I swear to God, dude. Like this comedic timing, he's still he's still dishing it out to you. I'm telling you, it's super funny. But 
Um, I love that. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I deal with it. So you good or what? I'm good. You think? You know, day 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 shit? Is it still day to day for you? No, I, I you know, some days are good. You know, some days I, I you know, I don't know. I feel like how I've always dealt with shit is maybe uh you know, su- what is it called? Suppress it or what is it? Uh, suppress you suppress your feelings? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so you're putting shit down? Yeah. At times, I deal with shit. Even like if you've ever dealt with a breakup. like Yeah, last year. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. I think you mentioned that. It was rough. It was rough? Uh-huh. We don't have to get too much into I that. I mean, whatever. I mean, I, my audience and my board, you got, but I, the relationship shit is, they always talk about the grief of it is. losing It's real it's, it's grief. It's grief. It's grief. It's grief. You had it's grief. built a relationship with somebody and now they're gone. You could choose to talk to them or not. I mean, but it can be hard, but a lot of times you don't, so it feels like grief. But, yeah, so dealt with that a relationship breakup and it instead how I deal with it is not always healthy, but I will remove it from my life like like it never existed. Just push it away. I will fucking delete every picture, every memory, everything. Like I will make sure it does not exist. It it is a memory until I can deal with it. How do you deal with something if you're just put? It's just pushing to the it's, side. Yeah, it's probably not healthy, dude. I don't know. That's why you're constipated. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, it's the opposite. I shit my pants. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Um, so you are letting it out. Yeah, yeah. I let it out somehow. That's yeah. where I let it out. But, but I want. I always wonder about that because that comes up often about okay. Is it fully suppressing it, or are you dealing with it? And sometimes I get. I don't. I don't know. I but, deal with it when I, you know, when I talk to him. But uh, yeah, I did. I do feel, you know, and maybe comedy helps me deal with it. But yeah, no, I mean. What about your family relationship in regards to talking? Is that something that comes up? At times. Um, my mom and my dad divorced, so I don't really talk to her about it. But uh, my sisters, you know, they took it, you know, pretty hard too. But we talked about it. We we had a good moment because <clears throat> my sisters are 41 or they're right around there. They have kids. Um, they live in Pittsburgh and then they, it's hard to just like, every time I see them, I come back, the kids are there. My mom's there. There's friends, there's family. We never have like our alone time. So at, at hospice, I, we were all sitting down, like me and my two sisters eating dinner. And we were just like, we haven't had dinner, the three of us in like fucking years. It's like 15 years, like wow. forever. Because I've lived in LA for almost 12 years now or something like that. Yeah, same. So going back, I'm never just alone with them. I, they, I'm with the kids. I'm with the you know husbands. I'm with my mom, my stepdad. There's always people. So we were just sitting there eating that dinner and having dinner like in the hospice, uh, whatever, like community center or whatever, the, whatever they call it. Um, <clears throat> yeah, just having dinner together. We're like, we've never had dinner, just three of us. It's really nice. So we try to do once a year. It's going to be our thing. It's only been a year, but every year we're going to at least try to have like dinner, just the three of us. That's important. That's sh- something about sharing that space. Even if you don't talk about X, Y, Z, you know, I think with something like this, sharing space with someone, I think goes a long way. But that differs with the person. People want to talk. But if I'm de- over next to someone that's dealing with loss, sometimes just sharing that space, I think, goes a long way. That's like a, a weird release in itself. Like if you and me, if you were going through some shit, maybe you do want to talk about it, maybe you don't. I'm going to allow you to tell me what to do. But I think just being there next to someone, and if you're, especially if you're all aware of the feeling, like you guys are maybe sitting down thinking about your father, it's like sometimes being there amongst each other is healing in itself. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not. I mean, it's worse. I don't know if you, how your relationship no, no, no. Yeah. Um, no, we have a great relationship. Well, I just, I, yeah, I don't think I've talked to them about it much. Yeah, I, don't um, know that's, I, don't, we, I don't know the answer to I that. I check up on them, see how they're doing. Uh, yeah, I mean, we talk a lot. It's just, I don't always talk about it, but. Do you feel like you even want to or need to? I mean, I should probably see how they're doing more. I mean, I'm supposed to be the stronger brother, but, but, uh, you have another brother? Or are you the only brother? No, no, I did. No, I had a stepbrother. He passed away, but th- that's a whole different thing. But uh, no, I just feel like yeah, yeah. I'm, I should just check up on them more about my dad. We still haven't. He got cremated. We were supposed to do the whole, you know, ceremony. Had like funeral. Put the ashes out. Like he wanted us to put. He wanted us to spread his ashes in this this neighbor's yard that he hated. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> Imagine a trigger right there. Just walk up to him. <laughs> Fuck you from my dad. What are those? There's just trees in New York that smell like shit. You just like, like put my ashes on, he grows into that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to piss him off. No, we, he wants his ashes in like a lake and his old house and like that he grew up in, which my aunt has now. So it's not like we're going to some strangers like, can I spread my ashes? Yeah. Your, um, so we got to do that. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, our sisters are great. Do you feel like you need to let it out? Do let, you, you, talk, you talked about suppression and shit. Like, do you, like, whether it's day to day or when it, when it does come up, do you feel like you have stuff that you have suppressed and you feel it there? Or you think, mm-hmm. like, obviously shit comes up, you feel emotions, but does no, that, do you think it has anything to do with suppression? I Maybe I suppress the, um, the sadness part, but I can talk about everything. Like, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I talk, I, I don't have fucking thoughts, dude. They come out of my mouth. Like, <laughs> If I think something, you're gonna hear it because it just yeah, you know it's That's like, good. I like an that. Italian blah blah blah. It's verbal diarrhea. I should definitely not. I I've gotten better at like because my mom she is undeniable. Like she will not have a thought that stays in her head. It comes out of her mouth. It's like my sister. It's just incredible. I my dad was the opposite. My dad was you know grew up six kids, uh, tough town you know, poor, went to school to be a doctor. He was different. He thought differently. He's very funny, but he thought differently. You know, my mom had all this like wild personality. Um, and my dad was, he, you know, he could listen. So I like to call my dad cause my dad could listen. I like to call my mom when I want to hear some, you know, some reality television show or, you know, um, but my, yeah, my dad was, but so I'm trying to find a healthy balance of like, I talk about it. You know, I just, I am a very, sensitive person i mean i'm sad for a million reasons not even just my dad like, how do you tell the difference sometimes i can't tell the difference of what i'm sad about oh yeah it's fuck i don't know dude it's all blending together <laughs> that's the thing sometimes so much shit happens like i'm like i feel this way because of my dad or i feel that way because of the person that just cut me out i don't know what's going on yeah i don't know man it seems like your um your comedy career is doing great it seems like you're, you're doing exactly what you want to do mm-hmm. even despite this so it's like you're doing something right it's just a matter of managing all that and Again, I, I don't, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a grief expert. I just have this podcast. But I think, uh, to me, allowing yourself to feel it as opposed, like there's a difference to me. There's, there's pushing things aside, maybe temporarily, because you got to work, you got to do your things. I mean, that's, you have to do that. You have to keep moving. But then there's like times of allowing yourself to feel it, which sounds corny as hell, but it's real. If you just allow yourself to feel shit and try to build it up and just literally go through the motions of that feeling, that's a release in itself to me. Yeah. I don't know what that means. What did I just say? No, no, I th- it's good. It's interesting because you do this all the time. So it's probably it's probably pretty cool for you to see um, the other end. You probably learned a lot about death and about people and how people cope with it and grieve. And um, yeah, you being on, have you been doing this for a year? Longer than that. I've had a hundred, you're like, this 140, Dude, 150 episodes. You probably learned a lot. You know what? Besides, I've learned that's the amazing part again to talk to someone like you it's, and anyone. It's just I'm seeing a different lens. I'm just and I'm, the way. I, besides learning a lot, it's just perspective of talking to another human, realizing we're all just human. Again, that's as cliche as that mm-hmm. sounds. Like we're no matter what, you're you're a comedian, you have a person that's a hospice nurse, person that just does this or that and the other. It's like we're all. It's just a one-on-one conversation. I got to hear what you went through and realize, damn, it's just we all got our shit. Mm-hmm. It doesn't minimum. It doesn't do uh, bring your story up or down. It's just like it just reminds me that when I have my shit, just another reminder that everyone else has got their other shit. And we're all doing our best. I think for the most part, maybe not all of us are. Sometimes I could do better, but it's just a re- <laughs> it's just a reminder. <laughs> me too, dude. Yeah, and that's a whole nother. I shouldn't game. masturbate three times a week. <laughs> well, hopefully, don't do and it. My here. dad. Yeah. <laughs> and thanks for listening. I got to turn episode. my dad's photo around. <laughs> yeah. Dad, don't look at this shame. <laughs> You kill every fly while you're jerking <laughs> off. What the fuck are you doing here? No, I don't know. It's just, again, it's just um, it's just a, it's just a reminder that we're all going through some shit. And I think to hear from a different perspective, even if you talk to ten thousand other people that lost their father, it's all different. Yeah, a lot of similarities too, blended with that. And that's the cool part about relating. But there's a lot of stuff that we all go through different shit. And I think it just reminds me that we're not alone. A lot about who we become as people is how we're raised. Right. Our first fifteen years of our childhood of our life is just so it's so crucial it really makes us who we are i do believe that 
So yeah, I wish Ben Laden could have waited four more years. Yeah, would have been sixteen. You would have just made the cut. Fuck, he wanted to fuck you up. <laughs> no, but here you go. But um, no, I, I, I think you know. So not everybody grows up with loving parents. I grew up with loving parents. I grew up in a, a you know, a, I had a very big family, and family was everything. And not everybody. I, I was fortunate to have a dad that cared about me. Same. That's the crazy part. There's so many other people that you said don't have that. I don't know how I would have got through it without having what I have around me. So I, yeah. I, I'm going to be more more blessed. Or they, what's worse, like you have a dad that doesn't give a shit about you. I mean, like, yeah, but that's how we, everyone, we're all interesting people. It's, you know, because this is literally like a computer in our head, dude. It's got just taking in everything and, and then gets to tell us how we are going to operate. And it has so much to do with, you know, what we've been through, our past, how we manage it. You know, how we live in the present, what we, you know, what we plan for the future. I mean, you got to live in the present, but. It's hard. It's so easy to go backwards and forward, past and future, and it's so hard to stay here, which is like, oh, again, like, you'd think that wouldn't be that hard, but it is. There's so many distractions, and it's hard to kind of pull it in. It's really hard to pull it in, but you think an experience that you had, or whenever someone loses someone, that I think it helps get you present, but it's very easy to think about the future with fear, think about the past with regret. Mm-hmm. So it's like a double-edged sort of having an experience like you had where does it make you more present? Are you working towards being more present or does it make you more anxious? Like you've had a brain tumor. Like, you know what I mean? You've had other experiences in your life that relate to the sensitivity and the fragility of life. Mm-hmm. So it's clearly had to have had an impact on you with all those experiences and oh, how yeah. you live your life. And that's the beauty of it. So it's for this experience of your dad, even though it's only been a year and a half, what if you had to find the positive from this, have you have you brought that to light? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I feel like he's looking over me, which is nice. Not all the time, of course. I just, I hope not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Turn your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> like, thanks for the photo, but yeah. I can still see you. <laughs> yeah. You know, when I'm when I'm in the mirror butt naked and I'm just slapping my wiener off my legs, having a moment with myself. <laughs> this is for me, man. That doesn't Stop sound, looking. That doesn't sound like repression. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the exact opposite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, nah, I've, 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 I don't know. Yeah, no, I've, I found jokes in it. I feel, I feel like he's there watching me. It does put in a perspective about afterlife. And, you know, I do believe there is an afterlife and I do believe in God. And I do, I don't, you know, I, I it's, it's, it's different for me. Uh, I mean, I grew up Catholic and then Christian and Catholic school. I don't follow all of that. You know, I don't follow, you know, I stopped practicing all that. I, I have my beliefs, you know, but I do believe there's a, a, a better place. And I do believe, um, He's, he's with, you know, he's with my uncle and my aunt, which are his brother and his sister. There's people up there, his parents, you know, I feel like he's with them. Um, it helps you in your process. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, here's my thing. Here's my philosophy on, let's say atheism. Here's my philosophy. Let's just say you can't prove anything. You can't prove that there's, you know, some people might be able to say, I, I, I can prove there is, but let's just say hypothetically, there is no way to prove whether there is or is not a heaven or a God or anything. But let's just say that 99% chance that it's not real. What if there's that 1% chance that it is real? Do you want to be wrong? Like, what if there is a 1% chance there is a God and there is a heaven and there is a hell or there is all that stuff? Let's just say there is a chance. Uh, And I call it the what if. What if it is real? Do you want to be wrong, dude? I mean, because I don't really know if I want to be wrong. You know, like, what's it take for, for, for me to just believe in something, to have hope? It's also like structurally as a human being, I think we need something to have morals. Like, if you have nothing to guide your morals, then you can, you know, it takes you down a dark path. It just, you got to believe in something, dude, you know? I, I mean, that's like, I don't know why. It's such a hopeless life. To believe there's nothing else. Yeah, it's, it's a, I think that's a great point, especially when it comes to religion and people that have different beliefs. I I subscribe to what you just said because it's like you don't have to have the same beliefs about the contents of what happens after, if yeah. anything at all. But the structure and the idea of a lot of as long as the, the structure is good and it's moral, like you said, like don't sleep with your neighbor's wife and don't kill, don't murder. It's like oh, that sounds pretty good. It's yeah, like, that sounds like a pretty decent morality code to follow. So depends for, on how shitty your neighbor was. Yeah, I mean, of course. The, yeah, you throw your ashes on their lawn. Whatever you gotta <laughs> yeah, do, yeah. grow a shitty tree. It's um, I think that like you said, the structures. That's 
that sounds like that's a fair deal. Live like that. And I actually, what you said really, so when I had Brian Count on the podcast, he quoted his friend that said, he doesn't know what happens after we die, but I like to live my life as if it does. And I think it correlates to what you were saying. It's like, if there is a 0.1% chance that, you know, the sperm gets through the condom, it's like, that was a terrible analogy. Why did I just say that? And <laughs> I liked it. You know what I mean? I think <laughs> it makes sense kind of some weird way. But I think the idea is like, why not live in a, a use that as a structure to live in a good life? And at the end of the day, regardless of what happens, like, don't you want to live a good life? Like, be yeah. good to each other and be happy in some capacity? I don't, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of like that. You have the capabilities of, you know, believing in nothing and being, uh, you know, a good person. I mean, I just, I'm just saying for me, you know, life is sh fucking weird. I mean, it's such a short temporary space. If you think about it and you think about how we are living on this earth of whatever this is, and it's, there's just life. I, and I probably believe there's other life outside of our earth too, you know, cause, cause there could be, even if you believed in the Bible, there could be that the Bible is, if you believed it to be a piece of history, it's a piece of history for here, for the experience of this historical event of earth that we've had. It could be like another book on a different planet that's like, hey, yo, earth's coming around pretty soon and there's gonna be Jesus. I mean, like it could be a totally, but I just believe that, you know, if you really sit down and think about how crazy everything is, I, I mean, it's unexplainable. Unexplained, it's ridiculous. Like literally when I get confused in life and I just get X, Y, Z, I just look up and I'm looking up like, what the fuck is that? Like literally, yeah. it sounds so literal because it is. I'm literally looking up at the vastness of space, and as silly and as woo as that sounds, it's like, what is good? What is, what is what is? I don't know. And I drive myself against a wall, getting in this weird feeling in my chest, and my stomach, and my temples of how absurd it is. That I think at the same time as paranoid as it makes me, we just kind of like I don't know what any of this is. So at, while I'm here, I just want to be as good as possible, whatever that means. I don't I don't even know what that means. I think it's just listening to other people showing some compassion, trying to be nice and, and support other people. I don't, I don't know what else. And laugh in the middle of it because I don't know what any of this is. And we have our beliefs and people get so bang, they bang their heads about what's right, what's what, what their beliefs are. But at the same time, like we're all in this together. Yeah. As weird as that sounds. Like yeah, we're, we're and, all in this together. And death, which you've probably seen on this podcast a bunch of times, alters the way you think about life. Because I've lost a lot of people. And I mean, grandparents, friends, you know, relatives. Dad was probably hits home the most for me. Even my stepbrother, I mean, it, it was hard because I was the last person to see him, but also I didn't spend my whole life with him. I only had a few years because my mom got married to my stepdad. And even though it was really tough, you know, I can't imagine the pain my stepdad dealt with, but you know, this, for you know, for me, it's the dad that hits home, which makes you think about life. And I had that experience personally because I thought I didn't know if I was going to live when I was 14. So I, that's why my perception of life has always been different. I became very optimistic. I became very fearless and I had different beliefs and my spirit was different. And yeah, I mean. Why'd you make that choice? Because I, I love that choice in regards to being optimistic and fearless, but I feel like it's such a slippery slope where easily people can go the other way. Why do you think you chose that? I was that? young. I also had some guidance. I had a loving family around me. And uh, I was always funny and silly, and I used humor to help me. When I was in the hospital with my brain surgery, my head was all, and I told everybody I looked like Sloth from the Goonies. Oh, okay. So they'd wheel me around. I'd be like, "Hey, you guys!" And in the hospital, just making everybody laugh to like ease it up. Yeah, I love that. I had those moments. Actually, it's all f full circle because when my dad, you know, we we're making jokes on deathbed. When I was in my, the ICU, uh, my aunt was there, like also like wetting my lips with the, you know, with the thing. Uh, the and you know, like when, when, when they, they'll, you'll dip that like sponge in water and you, cause you can't drink. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah. though she was like wetting my lips with the thing. It was the first time I woke up out of my surgery and there, everybody around me is crying. And it was very vague to see. It was like, I was so Damn. distorted, but uh, I just, I just remember I was crying. I was just like, are you guys going to cry or give me a kiss? Or, you know, like <laughs> yeah. something like that to just make everybody laugh. Yeah, um, you help everyone else. You're helping everyone else there, let alone yourself. Yeah. That's a, that's a wild place to be. Not a lot of people can do that. Yeah. But I, I, I just think that it, it's a perspective. It's a perspective thing. A lot of people go about this life, not thinking about, uh, you know, what's next or, or don't see death close to them. A lot of people, everyone's sad. I believe everyone carries sadness. I think it's a real thing. I, I think depression is a real thing. I think I have depression 
um, because of, I think, brain trauma actually chemically imbalances something in your brain that makes you differently uh, depressed differently. Uh, but I do believe everybody struggles with life. The older you get, the harder it gets. You lose people. You 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 know, just responsibilities. Dreams are crushed. The, rea- the you know health, just so many things. The realities of life, finances, things. It's just so much stuff about life is so hard to deal with. And then you can carry anger and sadness. Fucking everybody thinks about killing themselves. A lot of people won't which you shouldn't. I'm just saying like... Disclaimer. Uh, disclaimer. Um, but I feel like uh, life is very sad, but it is it is about really tapping into here. And I do think you cannot find happiness. Happiness is not something you will ever achieve. You can be happy. You can have moments where you're happy. You can go about life. Uh, you know, I have days where I am happy and I have days where I'm sad. Um, but you get to make that choice also whether, you know, which direction you want to take. The happy path is can be harder, you know, trying to have a happy day even though when you're sad. But I think that it is really just important to find a source of happiness in many things, whether it's family, religion, career, friends, I mean, fitness, whatever it is, like a rock. A rock. Or the rock. You gotta find the a rock or the rock. <laughs> Definitely a rock. <laughs> well, there's like a beautiful analogy what you're saying because you found a rock, but like we need to find our rock. Yeah. Whatever that may be. Whatever your rock is, I think, you know, it's that. I, I think it's, some people have a hard time finding that. And I understand that because you have different dynamics, different upbringings, like you said, different love in our life or lack of love. And it's hard to find that rock, but sometimes I think we're looking too hard for a rock. We're putting too much pressure on what our rock is. Is it a, is it a podcast? Is it doing stand-up? Is this grandioso thing? Or sometimes the rock is just a rock. It's... You know, it's something little in our life, the way we live our life, the way we hold our relationships, the way we do our job, regardless of what you're doing. And it's like, I think it's just the way we, the way we coast through this life, the ups and downs that you mentioned. It's not, life is not consistent with the, with the remotes up or down. I think it's like that, but it's about finding that line in between both of them. And I think trying to find peace in the chaos or contentment, maybe it's not happiness all the time, but it's just finding that the moderation, whatever that means. Yeah. So you got to find that kind of like, it's a Zen place, I guess, but it's hard to be in that Zen place amongst the ups and downs of life. I think there is a sweet spot there and it's kind of like not happy, not sad. It's just like right in the middle. Present. It's a, uh, yeah, it is. It is. Well, you got to be present and yeah. And uh, yeah, finding a place of, of, of reality. It's being aware. Oh, I. it's okay to be sad or, oh, it's okay to, you know, things are going to happen that are tough. Oh, things are going to be good. And I, again, I think it's one of those things too, where you have to like find happiness in everything. Like to, it's not, you can't, if you put all your happiness into one relationship and then that person dumps you, you're fucked. It's, it's like, if you put all your happiness into a job and you live and breathe and die by that, my career, and then you lose that job. I mean, you're fucked. Yeah. You cannot place your happiness in one thing. You have to put it everywhere. You have to find different things to, you know. Yeah, you got to put your happiness everywhere. I love that. You got to spread it out. You got you got to love everything. It's like diversifying your stock portfolio. You can't really put your eggs in one basket. I mean, you, some people put their eggs in one basket because they're passionate about something. But at the same time, it's like you're putting all your eggs in your basket. You can't comedy career is obviously a big part of your life. But you can't put everything. But there. you're still balanced. You're still balanced the rest of your life. Understanding that that's huge. I I I've t- I know you don't have too much time. You probably gonna, yeah. We'll, we'll wrap it up in a second. But. but but I have a few things that I've told before. But I feel like um, I I think feel like it's helpful. So here's a few things. One, there's a book. Uh, here there's two books. One is a beginner's mind, and the concept is believing you're doing it for the first time. Like after you do comedy for so long, like the glitz and glamour of it, it goes away. But if you could just treat your mind and tell it, let's act like this is the first fucking time. Trick your mind. Oh, th- make it exciting again. Just have a beginner's mind for everything. And I say that because here's an example. And I've said this and I stand by this. Um, people ask like why celebrities are like fucking, famous people are so sad. They have, you think they have everything. They have money, they have fame, they have, you know, whatever. You're married, you have kids. You, they are so sad. And the reason that they are sad is because we're always looking where, once you get something, you, you it's never good enough. Yeah. So the example that I have is, let's just say you're a diehard 
uh, Lakers fan and I just, whatever sports team it is, it could be, let's just say as an example, and you're just, as a kid, it's your dream. I just want to go to the game. I just want to go to the game. I sit in this game. And then you, you go to the game and you're up in the nosebleeds, but you're like, oh, this is amazing. This is, I was just, oh man, it'd be so cool to sit a little, you know, one day it would be so cool to sit lower. Then you finally get to sit in section 200 and you're like, oh my God, this is so fucking amazing. Like, what would it be like to be like in a box? And then you're in a box somehow at your fucking work event. And you're like, holy shit, I'm in a box at Lakers game. How cool would it be, be to be on the floor? And then you finally get to the floor and you're like, holy fuck, I want to own the team or something. <laughs> you know, like put me in coach or whatever. You're like, at some point, you're like, but, and then eventually somebody's like, Hey man, I'm going to the game. You want to go? And you're like, uh, you know, he's like, we're, where are we sitting? What do you mean? Where are we sitting? I, was, I mean, we're like 200. We were like, uh, or without even asking where are we sitting, you go, I'm a little tired today or I don't know, but it was your fucking life dream to go, man. I just really want to go to that game. How exciting was it be to be at that game too? It was so fucking exciting, but eventually you get a little bit more. Even when I got a better apartment, I go financially, probably be smarter to, you know, to go, when I wasn't working and COVID happened, like it would have been smarter to go somewhere more affordable and save money. But for me, psychologically, I go, I can't go fucking backwards. I'm going to find a way to keep going forwards. I'm going to find a way to make it, make these payments. I'm going to find a way. I, it's so hard to go backwards, even in comedy. Like I'm not above certain things, but then I go, man, I don't, I don't, I like, I don't want to go do that gig. I don't want to do a fucking bowling alley, dude. I'm sorry. I've been doing this forever. I'm exhausted. Meanwhile, new me was like, I get to go perform at a bowling alley. Like if you could almost have that mentality where you can go, oh, fuck, let's, I mean, I fucking, dude, we did it. I did an arena, we did an arena at a place that I started comedy at bars. It's the Penguin Stadium. I came home and I did fucking Genghis Cohen. I did a Chinese restaurant. On Fairfax? On Fairfax. I've been in a show there, yeah. Uh, a week later. I had a fucking blast. Yeah. But in my head, it's like, oh my God, like, yeah. the, you know what I'm saying? So if you could just kind of put it into a reasonable perspective of like, try to be grateful and you always want the next best thing, but our minds, we always want more and we want more. It's like, it's, I love that for relationships in general. Like when you see someone, you know what I mean? Like if I see my best friend every day for the week, it's like, yeah, what's up? You give a clap, but it's like being excited to Ooh. be, to be in that presence of that person. That's something I've tried to adapt. And maybe I, cause I'm, I'm very moody. So sometimes I don't do it the best, but I think that especially after losing someone, it's like, what puts you in a better perspective to realize the importance of being and spending time with each other? Like, I haven't seen you in forever, but it's like, we get to do this. That's like, yeah. it's incredible. We got to do like, regardless when I see you next, like, I don't know. It's just, again, oh, it dude. goes back to being grateful of everything you still kind of have. You don't really have nothing, but you know, I'm not going to get all Taoist on you, but it's like, I love that idea of that beginner's mind. I haven't read that book. I'll check it out. But I think that builds a little bit. It's like new hope every time. Yeah. <clears throat> perspective. Perspective. Everything's perspective. Oh my God. Speaking of perspective, how do people, um, how do people, I don't even know where I was going with that. I'm saying, I want I wanted to thank you for coming on here. First of all, again, because I, again, I haven't, I don't know how vocal you've been on everywhere else on the podcast and your podcast, but I haven't been, I think, <laughs> you know, maybe and it's, I thank you for talking about it. We started the episode with it. Just having these conversations, I think are very important and, you know, you still got, you're only a year and a half in the shit. So I, um, it seems like you're doing great. I don't know how you, how you're, if you're crying when the mic goes off, but probably, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was, I was, I was definitely holding back tears there for, it's, well, I saw that. Like, I, you know, I haven't seen you in a while. We obviously haven't spoke about this, but I feel like I, when certain, you go to the humor and then you know, obviously it clearly helps. It helps me a lot of ways, yeah. but then when it'll come back to a certain place, I, I see it in you. I'm not, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not clairvoyant or anything, but you know, I, I just, I just hope you're doing all right. And I know I asked you that question, but just, just keep going. I think everything you shared, it's like, make sure you're taking your own medicine. I hope you're doing all this stuff because it's like, it, I think what you said is great for everyone else to hear, but how many times do we express lessons and perspectives for other people? That's inspirational. But it's like, make sure you're, you know, you're doing that for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I appreciate it, man. I, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was definitely, uh, it's tough to talk about in a, in a more, you know, realistic sense, you know, jokes are different, but yeah. just being oh, like conversational yes. about it, definitely hard, uh, you know, but it was nice to do. And uh, hopefully I helped some people and, you know, you're fucking awesome. I'm proud of you for doing this. This is a, I'm proud of you it's for a great, here, dude. it's a great, it's a great, you got a great thing, dude. I appreciate it, man. It's like, it's the show is not nothing without 
you sitting across from me and the people I talk to. So it's, 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 it's on that side of the mic. But, um, before we do get out of here, uh, it's always the worst transition of the episode after what we talk about. I would love if people, I'm going to put all your links and stuff in the bottom, but, um, I don't know. It's up to you what you want to drop. I don't know if a show's coming up, but this should be out next week, but just in general, how do people find you, find your work, comedy, all you yeah, yeah. podcast. Yeah. I'm on all the social platforms, Vinny Fastline, V-I-N-N-Y-F-A-S-L-I-N-E on all the Instagram, TikTok, blah, blah. I have a podcast called My Plus One. We have celebrity guests. They bring on a plus one and we don't talk about their careers. We talk about their relationships and it's really nice. Like, so we had Tiffany Haddish, she brought her sister, Seth Green brought his wife and we have all different types of relationships. It's really cool. Um, and yeah, I shot a TV taping that'll come out on a streaming platform this year with, you know, in a couple months I did a, I did a game show that'll come out and a celebrity guest on it, which was game cool. Show? Yeah. Celebrity guest with Caroline Ray, um, with, uh, Mario Lopez, Blank Slade. I did a Talking Heads discontinued Ryan Reynolds production company shot that. That stuff's all coming out this year. So go watch all that shit and fucking tell your friends to follow me. So <laughs> I could sell comedy tickets. There you go, guys. Let's uh, go, go wherever, wherever he's going. Just definitely go check him out. Obviously, in LA, where the hell are you? I think some, people in Australia apparently listen to the show. I don't know how that happened. Oh, That's nice. Sorry, if you're ever going to go to Australia, we got to get you there. <laughs> <laughs> so, shout out to my Aussie friends. My um, only fans are not nearly <laughs> remote close to me. That's like when I did that Canada tour and I was just like, the fuck? All my fans are in Canada. What am I doing? I don't know. Just keep rolling with it. But dude, I want to thank you again for being here. And again, if you want to find uh, find video up here, I'm going to drop everything in the show notes. So just click the link below and blah, 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 blah. Thank you again for tuning in. And thank you, my man, for being here. Thanks for having me, dude. All right, cheers next time. I really got to pee. <laughs> <laughs>